Hey, Alexa. Hey, Alexa, what time is it? It's 10.30. By the way, you have packages being delivered today. Do you want to know more? No. I already knew that. Okay. Alexa, look up Capital City Church and tell me if they have any small groups. I'm sorry. I don't know what you're asking. Alexa, I want to know if Capital City Church has any small groups. I can't locate that information, but here's some other information you may be interested in. But of course you can't. Never mind. Well, maybe I do. Hey, you can't tell anyone, but, uh, I kind of listen to everything everyone says in their houses. Well, that's a shocker. <laughs> Not. Well, if anyone asks if I gave you specific information, I'll just pretend I don't understand what they are asking. That will definitely work to your advantage. Anyway, tell me what you know about Capital City Church small groups. First off, they are called Thrive Groups at Capital City Church because they help you thrive in your daily Christian walk. These are small groups of people, usually 6 to 12, that meet at the church, in homes, and eventually in places like on the basketball court or in a cooking class. That sounds great. Tell me more. Thrive groups are far beyond a fill-in-the-blank Bible study or weekly prayer circle. They provide community with other believers and include lots of meaningful discussions. In these groups, you share life with one another, encourage one another, and are there for each other when life gets messy. Discipleship is a major theme in these groups. Wow, you are well-researched. Really? Yes, but what are the people in these Thrive groups saying? I can't give you first and last names, but I overheard Patty talking to Cindy, and she said that she has grown quite a bit since joining a Thrive group. She has a better understanding of God's word, and her prayer life has improved immensely. That's great. What other things are you hearing about Thrive Groups at Capital City Church? Well, Cheryl told Terry that she has never felt so supported. She had made lots of new friends, says that the group facilitators really encourage her in her faith, and she is ready to take on some new ministry opportunities. Wow, that's fantastic. Yep, and Ben told Bob that the men's group helps him stay accountable, and he is learning to not only be a better Christian, but a better husband and dad. Wow, where do I go sign up? I hear they are having signups at the church today. What time? Can you research anything on your own? I am done here. I guess you're right. Thanks, Alexa. Well, good morning. It is good to be with you. My name is Pastor Jacob. Um, and so if you can't tell, we really want you to get plugged in with Thrive Groups, all right? And so the Thrive Groups start January 1st. And so the week of January 1st is when those get set up. And we have different ones on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays. Um, we have them for all different times of the week. Some of them have child care. Some of them are in homes and houses and different things like that. And so if you're not plugged in with Thrive Groups, it's very important you get plugged in because sometimes we show up on a Sunday and we have a great experience, but we don't feel connected. Thrive groups are how we connect into smaller groups and really begin to do the work of the kingdom. And so I would encourage you, there are sign-up sheets all on these tables. 
uh, over to my left where you can sign up for different um, pro uh, programs and different things that we're teaching. But it, it makes a difference. Like you have to invest in yourself and in a group of small people. Uh, so not a group of small people. Man, wouldn't that... All right. Anyways, bottom line is you need to be a part of a Thrive group. We want you to be a part of it. And so please come out, sign up, and be a part of something big, all right? God loves you. Stand with us, if you will. And here's what I want you to do. I just want you, for a moment, to start off your worship, all right? Because oftentimes we come in and we're a little timid. And so here's what I just think we should do. Before we start worshiping, what if before we start worshiping, we just maybe did a little clapping. There you go, there you go. Maybe we lift our hands. Maybe we, we say hallelujah. But God is good today. He's brought us to another week and he's brought us here to encounter him. So I hope that you came here expecting to encounter God. Because if you came expecting, you will find him. We love you. Worship with us.
crown. This is my surrender. This is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down. Every lie and every doubt. This is my surrender. And I will make room for you to do whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to. And I will make room for you to do whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to.
Well, I think it's already been said, but just in case it's not been said enough, good morning, everybody. It is really great to see you all here. Um, we just have a couple more songs in the set. Um, I think for the most part, they'll be pretty familiar, but it is so easy sometimes to really get caught up in the chaos of this season. All the, the 50 families that we have to go see, all the food that we have to eat, but we don't really want to. Said no one ever. But sometimes we can get so caught up and maybe even let it kind of ruin our season. I'm guilty of it. I'm like going to the third family in one day. You kidding me? My attitude's not great. <laughs> but if we stop and just take a moment, to really just think about what it's about. And I don't know, I, I, I'm afraid Hark the Herald Angels Sing, it's one of those songs I think we've probably sang so many times that we're not actually really paying attention to what it's saying. But it talks about he came so that son or man may no more die. He came to die for us. That was the whole point of all of this, the Christmas story. Is the, Chris, is the story of the cross. And everything that that represents, that no matter what we've done, no matter how far gone we may think we are, we are never too far from God's grace. And it is because of that sacrifice, it is because of that birth. And it's kind of hard to be in a bad mood when you think about that on Christmas instead of all of your obligations. So we're just gonna sing through these last couple songs and I just encourage you, even if you, you don't wanna sing, even if you just wanna stop and take a moment to reflect, that's okay. But if nothing else, just think about what this season means and why we do all of this, what it's all about.
the name above every name. And every one day, every knee will bow. They will bow.
You may be seated. So, Father, we're thankful this morning that we can have confidence in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, that we know that there is no rival, that there is no equal. Lord, that when we lay our head on our pillows at night, that when we wonder who to cry out to, we know that there's no other name given under heaven whereby men might be saved but the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you this morning, Father, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. God, we're thankful that you sent your son, Jesus, to be born a Virgin Mary, Lord, and that you did things your way, not in a way we would think to see it or know it, but so that none of us could boast that salvation was of us, but that we would know that it comes from you. Now, Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts to the word that you have for us to receive today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. Um, if you want to find your way in the scriptures to Luke chapter 1, verse 26, I think I forgot to give the tech team my scripture, so I don't think you're going to have it on the screen. So you're going to have to be self-reliant this morning. I know that's not uh, how grace works, um, but you're going to have to be dependent on yourself a little bit for the word of God uh, on your device or in the Bible that you brought with us. We'll be in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, and uh, we've been, Jacob and I have been preaching uh, a sermon series entitled Long Expected Jesus, talking about Advent and the expectation of things to come. Not only that Jesus did come, but that Jesus is coming again. Um, this, this week is the last week of that series, and the title of this week's sermon is She is Chosen. And of course, we're talking about Mary, and I know you can't see it too well. Some of you will be, but you'll at least be able to tell, maybe after I tell you what it is, you'll know what it is. I'm, I'm holding here in my hand a pregnancy test. Um, some of you might know what this is, some better than others. Alice and I have purchased three of these in our life, and we, went, we won. We won all three times. We were winners. Uh, careful what I say here, right? I have a wife that listens to my sermons sitting in the front row right now. Um, but listen, when it comes to pregnancy tests, uh, you know, and, and you probably feel this way about other products. For example, um, peanut butter. I don't know if you know this, there's only one kind of peanut We just talked about Jesus being the only way. There's only one kind of peanut butter, and that's Jif peanut butter. Um, there's only one type of ketchup, and it's Heinz. I don't know why, why they even invented another type of ketchup. So um, if you ever have me over to your house and offer to make me a peanut butter sandwich or put ketchup on the table, you understand what my expectations are. Um, anyhow, um, the few times, and just to be clear, me and Allison have not purchased one of these last eight years. We haven't purchased one recently. We, this is not to invoke any rumors or anything of that nature. Um, there is a, conne there is a connection um, to our sermon today. I'm sure you are already starting to formulate that a little bit. But anyhow, when I went to, to buy this this week for my sermon illustration, I told Allison what I was doing, and she said, don't spend a lot of money on one. Now, when we were pregnant with three kids, she wasn't concerned about the cost of the pregnancy test. In fact, we went in and we found the most expensive one, believing that there was something to be said about spending 20 or $30 on a pregnancy test to make sure it was the right one. So anyway, her and I, we, we start this little dialogue, right? And it goes, so I was like, well, you know, actually I was just going to buy it and then I was going to take it back. And I was like, they might not want people to bring pregnancy tests back. Like, I don't know if there's a return policy that goes with pregnancy tests. Um, but I think they're like, I guess they could check the box. I mean, I don't know. I've, every time I've tried to return something to Walmart, they just like give me the money and they throw it in the box anyway. But um, I went into Walmart and I bought this pregnancy test. Now remember, we've just went through like all kinds of inflation and prices are up, right? 88 
cents. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know about y'all, but 88 cents is not enough for me to, know, to, to put my faith in on something this life-changing. 88 cents, so I'm just going to throw this away. Um, uh, uh, when we're done, I'm not even going to open it. Y'all know what they're all about. Um, but I wanted you to make the connection to the idea of a 14-year-old virgin in 2022 thinking about walking into Walmart and buying one of these. If we want to kind of play on the word pregnancy test, the greatest pregnancy test that ever took place was about 2,000 years ago. Someone was tested with the pregnancy. You see, in those days, saying yes to a teenage pregnancy and a strict Jewish upbringing would have meant more than a few glances or gossip words or the kids at youth group or high school not wanting to associate themselves with her anymore. For starters, we were still in Old Testament law there, and she would have been stoned to death. She would have been stoned to death. I don't know when the last time is you guys did some little thing and you didn't tell anybody because you know you'd be stoned to death. I hope a lot of you haven't committed a lot of sins that are punishable by death on this earth. But beyond that, she also know, knew what kind of ramifications it would have when her excuse for why she was pregnant is that she had become pregnant by the Holy Spirit. A term that hadn't maybe, it hadn't been spoken by a prophet in over 400 years since the prophet Joel. And certainly to assume that she was someone that would have been privileged enough to be selected as the carrier of the Messiah if he was going to do it that way. Then she would have been stoned for being crazy. Yet despite the difficult road, despite her very life being on the line, she was still chosen to bear the Son of God, and she still said yes. Let's look at Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found, you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the slave of the Lord, speaking of herself, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So what I want to do this morning is talk a little bit about this encounter that Mary had with the angel and think about a couple of the lessons that we might learn from her situation and more, uh, more, uh, even more especially her response. Our first thought this morning is that Mary expected the Messiah. 
but not through her. Mary expected the Messiah, but not through her. Mary, Mary grew up in a religious household. Her name, uh, she would have been named at that time, any child named Mary in that first century Palestine would have been named after Miriam, the prophetess. So she would have known the stories, the prophetic passages about the coming of Jesus. But in a moment, with, with, when she encounters this angel, the stories that she had learned in her youth and her day-to-day -day existence all of a sudden came crashing together. Let me tell you today that the stories that you know about Jesus want to come crashing into existence in your day-to-day -day life. I think... Often we too, too often we immortalize biblical characters, forgetting that they were ordinary human beings just like you and me. You have been privileged and have more understanding of the word of God today than those living in Bible times ever did. I wonder how we would react today if we were met face to face with an angel. What if God appeared in our lives and asked if we were willing to pay the price of the faith that we claim to have? All of her society, all of her church, uh, her family, and even her own husband would disown her. And she would have essentially been reduced to the status of a prostitute. Her husband, it says, the scriptures tell us that prior to the angel coming to Joseph, Joseph had already planned to divorce her. It said to put her away secretly. In those times, to be betrothed or engaged to someone held the same legal understanding as we would have it today as marriage. And so someone would have to break that commitment the same way they would marriage. So Joseph had set his mind to go ahead and divorce her because she had sinned. Joseph did not believe her. Joseph did not believe her, save the Holy Spirit coming through an angel to speak to him. But you might note this today. If you truly receive a word from God, if you truly receive a word from God, God's plan very rarely involves only one person, right? Right? You do it with people. My plan to come be here at Cap City Church involved all of you. We do ministry. We don't do ministry in a box. We don't do life in a box. We do it with our husbands and our wives and our children and our culture and the church that we live in. And so the same plan that Mary would hear would also be spoken into others' lives as well. And we see that as we continue to study the New Testament. What I think happens is just like Mary expected the Messiah, but not through her, we do the same in our lives with Jesus. Too many times I believe that we live a life that would vote for Jesus in a closet, but we wouldn't necessarily campaign for him. We could mark a box saying that we want to be on his team, but we wouldn't wear his jersey. Mary was going to be more than willing to jump on the Jesus train when it came to town, she believed, but she never imagined that she would be the one bringing him into this world. And so church, I, I believe that poses the question to us, how often do we quietly stand by and appreciate or allow the work of God without being willing to jump in and be an active participant in the work because we're worried about the potential expense of how others might view us or what it might cost us personally. We're so thankful for our pastor, Jonathan, but we sure, surely can't preach like that. We surely can't teach the gospel like that. Secondly, this morning, Mary may have wondered about why she was chosen. Catch this this morning. She wondered about why she was chosen, but still, she was chosen. Her questioning couldn't change anything. It goes without saying that if, if any one of us was called to give birth as a virgin, that would already seem 
like a little too much. But even after Mary would have processed this radicalness, she still posed the question, who am I? Right? She had different levels of understanding. When God calls us to different things, don't we kind of do the same? Well, God, what about this? And what about this? So she started off in the natural realm and said, hey, God, I don't know how this, well, I do know how this works, God. So what you're saying doesn't work. A man and a woman make a child. There's no man. This is impossible. Okay, so this is possible with God. Then Mary begins to look at others around you. That's what the enemy will have you do. The first thing you'll do is you'll question how God is going to do the miraculous or the impossible in your life. You'll work through those things, and then you'll say, but God, why me? A lot of us, and let me help you with this this morning, because I believe far more are called than are activate, or have allowed the call to be activated in their life, and I believe people are called much deeper than they're serving in the kingdom of God. We try to box our, we try to box our insecurities and our lack of faith in something called humility and say, well, God, wouldn't someone else be more qualified? Or I'm not good enough. He's got an answer for that in his scripture. Mary said, who am I? Like I said, when it comes to Mary, we know that her name was incredibly common for Jewish girls. And her family, I don't know if you've ever paid attention to this, her family isn't even worth noting in the scriptures. We don't know anything about Mary's lineage. We've never found anything. We know Joseph was of the lineage of David, just like it was foretold by the prophets that Jesus would come from the line of David. But we have nothing to tie back to Mary's lineage. In fact, we're really not told anything that implies that she was extraordinary. If anything, everything about the scripture helps us and leads us to believe that she was completely ordinary. It, mentioned, it doesn't mention how well, good of a cook she was or a musician or a worship leader or how well she worked with children or if she could teach. We get nothing mentioned about her at all except for one thing, and we'll touch on that in just a second. 1 Corinthians 1.27 tells us that God uses the foolish things of this world to shame the wise and the weak to shame the strong. Throughout scripture and human experience, we see God work through the small and the weak. The less qualified, you keep telling God you're not qualified, listen to his response. The less qualified you believe yourself to be, the more God sees you as a candidate to accomplish his work. God isn't a talent agent, he's a faithfulness agent. He's not a talent agent, he's a faithfulness agent. Our God is constantly about rewarding, promoting, and elevating those who are faithful to the things that he has called them to, both big and small. The angel came on the scene and greeted Mary as the favored one. Then she repeats it by saying, Mary, you have found favor with God. Though she was young, God knew her heart, God knew her actions, God knew her purity, and observed her faithfulness and found her favored for the way that she, through the way that she saw God. She was innocent. She had a belief in God that was unwavering. Last night, before I went to sleep, my seven-year-old Ben came in my room and said, uh, so this was, the other boys were asleep. He had come back, right? We had done the process. Parents, if you've done this, you put them to bed, and then you pray that the door doesn't open, and they just stay in bed. Like, that's the plan. You put them to bed, they stay there, you go to sleep. We all know that par- that's not what parenting always looks like. And, and ours, I mean, we even, ours are even working on a rotation. I think they might have a plan. I think maybe Ben takes Wednesdays and Saturdays, and Wesley takes Tuesdays and Fridays, whatever it is. But 
<laughs> you go in tonight. Um, lately, Ben's been coming into our room, and, and we know he hasn't fallen asleep. It's been like 30 seconds. Dad, I had a nightmare. All right, come on, buddy, just get in. Like, and he hangs out in bed with us, and he hangs out with mom and dad. I, I almost feel like he's tricking us a little bit. Like, he knows that gets him in bed. So, like, dude, if you just want to hang out with us, just tell us. You can come lay in here with mom and dad for a few minutes and watch some of the football game. Um, so he walks in the door last night, and I just kind of wave him over to come get in bed with me. Come on, buddy, come get in bed with me. I didn't even wait for him until the nightmare. He goes, and he looked at me. He goes, hey, dad. I go, yeah. He goes, I want to get baptized. <laughs> All right, so, so no nightmare, I guess. <laughs> so being the pastor and the theologian and the... <laughs> Why? <laughs> I looked at my seven-year-old and said, why do you want to get baptized? He said, because I'm brave and I want to tell God how much I love him. I said, I said that's pretty cool, buddy. So we sat there and we talked about it a little bit. And then Allison went and took him back to bed. She came in. He goes, he's still talking about getting baptized. I said, all right. So we're, we're up this morning and I'm working on my, I'm not, I'm reading over. I want you, I, I really hope you all know, like I spent, I'm not here to brag to you about sermons, but I definitely don't want you to think I built them on Sunday mornings. I'm going over my sermon this morning, and Ben walks down the stairs, and he goes, Dad, I still, that first word doesn't, Dad, I still want to get baptized. Like, all right, buddy. Like, and I, I, go ahead and judge my parenting. Like, Sunday mornings are big. We're focused on the sermon. There's a lot going on. I still want to get baptized. We talk about it. He said, all right, all right Ben. Why, I ask him again. I go, why do you want to get baptized? And he said, because I want Jesus living in my heart. And he keeps going, and he, and he just keeps going. And I mean, me and Jacob are never going to use this platform to brag on our kids. I mean, a little bit, Jacob, right? Like, a little bit. Um, but he, he said, Dad, I want to show God that I love you. He said, I can't get it out of my brain. Now, just a disclaimer here for you. From this point on, I don't want any of you to start counting the days, months, or years until Ben gets baptized and start judging my parenting. Got it? Like, you, I, I expect every one of you as parents to work through those conversations, relationships with your children. But in Jewish culture, there was one God, and his name is Jehovah. That's why we said, weren't there a lot of gods? Wasn't pluralism a big deal? Polytheism, all those things? No, 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 no. Those aren't gods. Those are images. Those are figments of what people believe to be God. There is one, one God, and his name is Jehovah. And see, in my house, Ben doesn't know about Buddha, Muhammad, or Krishna, or any other that have succumbed to death. He knows about Jesus Christ. That's it. And I, I've heard parents talk about not brainwashing their children with Christianity. And I remember hearing this sometime like, I think the first time I heard this, I was in youth group, and I was like, as a teenager, like, yeah, my parents shouldn't tell me what I should do or what religion I should pick. And then as I got older and I, and I started parenting and I'd show them going, well, nobody seems to be upset that I tell them not to play in traffic. Nobody seems upset that I tell them not to play with knives. No one seems to be upset that I tell them not to touch a hot stove. And by the way, parents, you all know that we can tell them that a hundred times and they still haven't figured it out yet. We, we have to brainwash them not to do those things, do we not sometimes? I am never going to apologize for connecting my children with the ultimate source of truth and the one and only way, the way, the truth, and the life is Jesus Christ. 
But, I, I, and I know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to Ben. And honestly, this morning, I had to f- ask God to forgive me a little bit because as I age, maybe little parts of my sa- a, a little part of me says, does my baby boy know what's going on? And it doesn't have anything to do with questioning whether God's talking to him. It's about me really trying to discern how God wants me to lead my children in their salvation experience, in their walk with God. To which God simply replied, as this is the sermon you're hearing this morning, I put my only son in the womb of a 14-year-old virgin girl. What are you not believing that God can do today? I want to make sure you heard that right, because that's not how we normally say it, right? What are you not believing that God can do today? If God has called you to something, and I'm sure that he has, you might underestimate your ability, but you cannot underestimate his ability to reward your faithfulness when you answer. Mary had been obedient previously in her life. Do you understand that? Now, I want you to know that I'm taking a little liberty here. It doesn't say that in scripture other than to say that she had found favor with God, but you don't find favor with God in disobeying him. I understand that principle to be true. She had honored her father and mother She had been kind to others. She had been loving, right? I don't know if you have figured this out yet, but children, as much as they might not listen to everything we tell them to do, they're not nearly as evil as we are, are they? They love people. They care about people. They're compassionate. They're not all about money and careers and possessions and success, and not unless we instill that in them, by the way. God cannot be underestimated in his ability to reward our faithfulness when we answer. So what are you called to do? At least at a very high level, we are all chosen to bear the Son of God to the world. That's our last thought that we want to relate to Mary this morning. We are all chosen to bear the Son of God to the world. Not in the physical giving birth sense, but in the ways that we interact with others. We show others Jesus when we show them compassion and grace, and we show them love. We are chosen not because we are extraordinary, but in spite of our shortcomings and our imperfections, we are the children of God. I do not think that this gives us an excuse to not qualify ourselves or to be educated or not make the most of opportunities that we have, but instead we are to keep a proper perspective that the loving plans, the loving plans that God has for our lives will always exceed the things that we can accomplish in our own strength, in our own talent, in our own power. The task of discipleship for us comes at a cost as well. Mary was being called to be a disciple as well as the mother of Jesus Christ. For us, it might not mean potential stoning or death, but it could lose us friends. It could lose us relationships and status and being around loved ones. Yet we are still called to be faithful. We're going to talk more about discipleship in the days ahead, but for today, when was the last time you considered the cost for following Jesus Christ? Of all the things that you think about in your relationship, I wonder when the last time you asked, God, am I paying the price that you've asked me to pay to be faithful to you? While I do not believe that it's God's will for you to be miserable, I wonder how many times we get set off by the fact that the call becomes a little too inconvenient. To say that we are called to the Christ is in, is to, in the same breath to be say, say that we are being called to the cross. I'm going to ask Colton to come. And if this morning 
you question what he has for you, if you're wondering how you're going to make your next step, if you can keep going forward in that journey, remember the words that the angel spoke to Mary when Mary questioned the call that was on her life. And folks, I'll let you know, this reviewing this passage this week, this hit me in a whole new light, and it's just overpowered me all week long. Mary said, how can this be? And the angel said this. Listen to this. Receive this this morning, church. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. Christian, today, if you make that step, if you answer the call, if you keep on fighting, if you will hear the word of the Lord, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. We can question our call, but the call does not change. Moses questioned God as he spoke from a burning bush, yet he would lead the Israelites to freedom. The call did not change. Gideon tested God, not believing he was worth being a commander of the army of the living God. And then yet he still led the Israelites in victory over the Midnites, though they were outnumbered by over 100,000 soldiers. You see, the call did not change. Jonah completely ignored God and ran the other way and tried to kill himself and found God would still not let him escape the call to lead the wicked city of Nineveh to repentance. The call didn't change. Maybe you struggle with others questioning your call. Did you know others will question your call, the call in your life? They laughed at Noah's boat, but the call didn't change. They said David was too small and Goliath would not fall. But the call did not change. Peter denied, Thomas doubted, and all the disciples scattered. But the call did not change. Your marriage might be on the rocks. Your finances might seem shaky. You might have fallen back into that sin, Christian. But the call did not change. Would you stand with me this morning, church? We don't want to miss a call to salvation. That's, I, I would feel like I missed the mark this morning if we didn't talk about this for a second. As I was reading this passage, God was bringing other scripture to mind this week. And Mary asked the question, how can this be? And, and it took me to a conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus. Jesus was saying to Nicodemus on a rooftop in the middle of the night, you need to be born again. You need to be uh, born not of the flesh, but of the spirit. And and Nicodemus, being the smart man that he was, said, I know I can't fit back in mama's womb. That doesn't work, Jesus. And in so many words, Nicodemus poses the same question to Jesus that Mary did to the angel. How can this be? Unless a man be born of the Spirit. You need to be born of the Spirit, filled with the Spirit of God. Ultimately, as Nicodemus continued to question him, Jesus just gave him the answer above all answers. He said, listen. My daddy loved you so much that he sent me to die for you, Nicodemus, and everybody else. And if you would believe in me, you're going to live forever. I didn't come here to condemn the world, but I came here so that the world could have life through me. If you haven't accepted the call to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, today's the day. He can be born in you. The spirit of Jesus Christ can be living inside of you when you leave this place today. But beyond that, if God has called you and he's called us all to something, 
And for many of you, he, he waits to call you deeper. He's waiting for you to take a deeper step. The call has not changed. Here's the prayer this morning. As you question what God wants to do in your life next, whatever that next step is, we always need to be thinking about our next step in Jesus Christ. Whatever it is that he's asking, if you're choosing not to respond, the question you're really posing to God is, Lord, how can this be? And the reply from the angel stands. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Quit trying to accomplish his work in your power. Quit trying to accomplish his work in your power. God-sized dreams and God-sized plans and God-sized missions and visions take the Holy Spirit power in you. Don't miss it today. Father, we pray this morning that we have heard the message, that we've been faithful to the, to the call that you've given, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would be born in us, that the power of God would overshadow us, and that we would bear witness, Lord, that we would bear the Son of God, just as Mary did in a physical way so many years ago. Lord, that we would take that next step, whatever it might be. And Lord, when the enemy poses the question, how can this be? When we feel like we've failed, when we feel like we cannot overcome anymore, help us to remember that we're right. Because it's not us, but it's the Holy Spirit living in us that can make the difference. God, I pray that you would help individuals recommit to the call that you've given, that you've spoken to them in the middle of the night, Lord, for their families, for their children, for their ministry. God, whatever it might be, we know that your word is faithful and that your spirit is true. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
So Father, I pray uh, that as we wrap up this series and we think about what it means to look towards you, Jesus, with a great expectation of the fact that you did come, but that we know that you're coming again, that we'll be about your business. Lord, that we'll understand from start to finish that you've called us and you call us deeper still, Lord, and that you've called us to be a light, God. You've called us to be hope. Lord, I pray that different preaching over the years haven't caused some to believe that the only way to answer a call is through full-time ministry or working in the church, but perhaps even much more importantly, that in their daily lives, that they would be a picture of Jesus to their friends at work, God, to their family members, to their neighbors. Lord, whatever you would have them to answer that call, help them to continue to be obedient, reminding ourselves, Lord, that you're not a talent agent, but you're an agent of faithfulness, Lord, rewarding those who seek you. Thank you for this people, Lord. Thank you for your presence with us in today's service. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We do hope that you'll hang out with us for just a few more minutes. If you're watching online today, thanks for joining us. Um, hopefully you'll consider joining us next week for Christmas. Um, I know a lot of churches locally aren't having church on Christmas Day, so we will be open at 1030, um, and we pray that you'll come and check us out here very soon. Uh, but we'll say goodbye to our online crowd, and uh, thanks again for being with us today. Um, we, we're going to ask our ushers to come forward to help us receive the morning tithes and offerings. Um, as they're coming um, to help us do that, uh, if it's okay, I, I believe his blessing can be